one church in that area, in Columbus, for over 20 years. So, you know, I got to do this every week, week in and week out, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. It was probably the, my favorite part of the week is this part of it. And, um, you know, it's been six years, and this is only the third place that I have now talked or spoken in front of a church crowd in the last six years. That's kind of a change, right? When you're doing what you love and you do it every day, right? Week in, week out, over 20 years. And now this is the third time. The first time I got to speak uh, and share my story, which is what I'm about to do. I'm not going to so much teach a lesson today, if that's okay. Um, I, some things happen, and I want to share my, my heart and my story. Is that okay with everybody today? I'm not going to so much teach, although there's a pretty impactful, powerful Bible story about Peter that I will share, okay? But this is the third time I've gotten to do that. The first time was in a church that means very a lot to me. Uh, it's a young couple named Justin and Minnie Ross. I think some of you know them, right? They, they, Justin's first day in church as a non-Christian was my first day as a senior pastor of our church. So he got to be there for the whole journey, and it became a Christian, married a girl from my youth group, and now they pastor together, and uh, that was just kind of cool. It was very special for me to, for the first time, talk again there. And then for a great Cajun friend, any, any Cajuns in the house? Anybody got Cajun friends? Okay. Yeah, a few of them. Come on, man, shout. So, yeah, a little bit of Cajuns. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Sucking heads out of crawfish, right? Boudreaux and Thibodeau and all that. You, you know what I'm talking about. So my great Cajun friend, who I love, 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 just is so close to me. I got to speak in, he's in Pennsylvania now, so I got to speak there. And then right there on par, right at that same level, just special. I just was very careful who I wanted to be that vulnerable to, to be honest, and with, and who I trusted with my life. So, Patton Butcher, this is the third time I've shared, and I walked into this church 14 years ago, and uh, in a place where I just needed some new friends, and I had no idea where I would never been here, didn't know I was going, never met anybody, I, I literally not, did not know a soul, walked right through those doors and met your pastors. Do you realize how fortunate you are to have people like them loving on you and pastoring you? Well, they became some of my very best friends, and I can tell you from that point forward, they have been in my corner ever since. And I really needed that a few years ago um, when a lot of my friends, they weren't mean to me, they didn't say bad things about me, but they honestly just weren't there either. Does that make sense? They just kind of kept their distance. Um, there was no encouragement. There was just pretty much nothing. And um, I needed some love, and I got a, a lot of it from right over here. So I will be forever grateful to your pastors for always believing in me, never giving up on me, and now today, letting me do what I love with you all here today. So give your pastors a hand. Come on. Okay, so I learned something from the first service that when I'm rusty, I tend to go longer. I'm ADD anyway. Anybody relate to that? You know, have squirrel moments, squirrel? Okay, I'm back. What did I say? <laughs> I say the same thing again. You, you know what I'm talking about? I have that. So I, I, I normally don't stay looking at my notes, but I'm going to do my best to give you everything that I, that I came here to give you today. Is that okay? So you may need to, you know, rein me in here every now and then, uh, but I'm going to try to stay on, on point and um, just get right to it. So um, I want to share again my, my story. I'm just going to give you highlights. I don't have time to give details. You can get the details in the book that I will write one day. Brooke and I were just talking about that a little bit ago, uh, or it might end up on Lifetime or Jerry Springer or Dr. Phil. I don't know. 
But at some point somewhere, you know, there will be some more details. It's that, it's that kind of a story, but you're not going to get all that today, okay? I'm going to kind of bullet point it for you. There is a snippet of my story that I did write for Mindy. Mindy Ross just wrote a new book. It's called Grace for the Race. I believe you'll have the opportunity at some point to hear from them here and purchase that book. I know Brooks already got it, and there's a little portion of my story in there that I did write. So that's a baby step toward that book. Um, but I'm just going to share a little bit with, you know, of that with you today. Is that all right with you? Just give you my heart? Amen. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, thank you. So my childhood, not, not, not a great childhood. Again, I, I don't want to, you know, just bore you with all the, the bad stuff. But it was not good, okay? And I, I grew up a little wild. My personality in that environment didn't do well. So I just, I'm a fighter, and I just went a little wild and a little crazy. And I, I always blamed it on my... Eastern Kentucky roots, okay? My dad's from Hazard, Kentucky. Anybody ever been there? Yep. Come on, man. You know what I'm talking So I know I'm in the civilized part of Kentucky, right? That's what I hear anyway. Okay, so because I, I met a retired Kentucky State Police officer in this room that told me stories of when he had to work in the hollers down there in Eastern Kentucky, and that's, that's all my family down there. So be careful what you say. <laughs> but trust me, I get it. Anybody, I'm just curious, ever hear any crazy stories about people from eastern Kentucky? All right, so you know what I'm talking about, right? So you get the picture. And I have some redneck roots. We'll just put it that way. Jeff Foxworthy made that famous. Anybody hear the redneck jokes? You think they're kind of funny? You might be a redneck if. I'll spare you any jokes I might try to tell. But uh, uh, I'm just curious, how many of you have ever heard or know what the famous redneck last words are? Yeah, hey, watch this. That's the church version. Somebody got the other version early. Anybody know what the bar version is? Yeah, yeah, you do. It's hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, watch this. Those are basically the words that come out of your mouth before you do something incredibly stupid. <laughs> So you get the picture. That was me grow, growing up. I, it's my personality. It's 1,000% all or nothing, only one speed. You know, it's you, you do before you think, okay? And if someone says you can't do that or even better, that can't be done, that's my cue to try. Because I think, well, nobody else is trying, so what do I got to lose, right? And if I, if I make it, what a story. Or if I fail, that's a story too, as long as I live through it. <laughs> so, but we don't think about that. We just think, shoot first, ask questions later, you know what I mean? So, and, I, and, and a lot of other people got hurt following me, let's put it that way. And so for some reason, I always came out, and probably because of my mom's prayers, like I'll talk about here in a minute. But I was that person, okay? And I have to bring my mom into my story at this point because, you know, I grew up being that kid. I mean, I was a kid everybody else's kids couldn't hang around with, you know what I'm saying? And my poor mom, you know, even later as a Christian, she's like, I'm still hearing stories about what I never told her. And she'd still hear them years later. But she just started praying for me. She became a Christian, and she was wild and crazy. I came by it honest. Not only my father, but my mother as well. She was a fighter. She was my hero. She, she went through a lot. If I were to tell you her story, you'd be super inspired. But she absolutely is not like me. I'll tell you everything. I don't care. She did. She's like, it's all under the blood of Jesus. I ain't telling anybody about my past. And she I forbade me. I never shared anything about her story because she would not let me. Does that make sense? So I can't. I do not doubt her ability to reach down from heaven and still smack me. She went home in 2011. So I'm not going to take that risk today and tell you any of the bad t details. I'm going to say the good stuff. She was a fighter. She was my hero. 
most importantly, and I can never say this without wanting to start crying, so I'm, I'm holding it back. She was the one person on this planet that I knew loved me unconditionally. Amen. You know, and I'm not saying that we had this great fluffy relationship. We, we did this probably more than anyone. But I can tell you the power of her prayers kept me alive. I can tell you that she loved me no matter what. Amen. Right? Now, she would, she would chew me out and tell me all I was doing wrong, but if anybody else did, they got to deal with her, so they didn't, you know what I'm saying? It's that kind of thing. She just, I knew she loved me, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know how you know that, but you do. I can't, that's unexplainable to me, and that's part of my story that I'll get to later. She became a Christian when I was a sophomore in high school, started preaching to me immediately. I mean, for the first time ever, because I knew this woman well, trust me, I mean, I knew her well. She was a little wild and crazy. I won't tell you about the time she hit me with a clock and almost knocked me out and I was bleeding from my forehead. I won't, oh, I'm sorry, Mom. That slipped out. I won't tell you about it all the times, but I was smart-mouthed and she let me have it. And you know, she, I just, she just changed. She went from one human being to a different one. I think the Bible says something about a new creation, new creature. I mean, this was the most amazing thing, seriously, that I had ever seen. I had a front row seat to a life change, radical she was not the same person. I couldn't explain it. I thought she'd lost her mind. I thought she went crazy. She's preaching, 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 Jesus, 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 come to church, come to church. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never heard this before. And she just was uh, crazy about it. And I hated it, but I loved it. Does that make sense? I'm like, I love what I'm seeing. Good for you. <laughs> but hey, not for me. So, but I love my mom so much, I do whatever she said. She was always begging to go to church. And Oh, you'll love the youth group. Go to the youth group. So, true story, I went to youth group. They asked me to not ever come back. <laughs> so I tried. And I told mom, hey, I tried, mom. I really did. She's like, what would you do? <laughs> I'm not telling that. I still haven't told that. But they asked me to never come back. So I did try. I love, love, love my mama. And she preached, preached, preached to me. And I still remember, you know, I was about to graduate high school. We had a thing called grad night where we all went to Kings Island and got crazy. We were the crazy crowd. Anyway, I was the craziest of the crazies. My mom, you know, starts talking to me about three days before. You're not supposed to go. I got to check in my spirit. I've been praying. Something bad's going to happen. Please don't go. My dad was at a spring football game. My brother played college football for Ball State, and he was there. She was all by herself in the house. I'm thinking she's trying to spoil my fun, this God stuff. I don't put any, I don't take any stock in that, you know. I'm thinking it's all about me, and I think I'm bulletproof and invincible, not realizing it's her prayers keeping me alive, right? I think it's me. And so I just didn't, I didn't listen. I went anyway and sinned like high school crazy people do. And then, you know, all the stuff the world tells you is fun, but then after it's all over, you're thinking that really wasn't that fun. <laughs> and you feel really bad with your hangover and your confusion and all the, the regret that you have. I was driving home remembering that, but I was thinking, well, nothing really bad happened, so she was wrong. Until I got to my house and I walk in the door and there's no one there, my dog. There's my great Dane, who was my, one of my loves. I love my dog. I still love my new dog, Squirrel. And I, see, I, I'm stopping right there. And he was there, and she wasn't. And I'm thinking, it was just strange. And then I'm inside the door, just a few minutes, the phone rings, it's my cousin. He said, and I can never say this without almost losing it. He said, your mom's had a heart attack, and it's bad. And it doesn't look like she's going to make it. You need to get over to Mount Carmel East right now. <laughs> and I can't even describe the feeling that I had in that moment. And I got in my car, my 72 Pontiac Bonneville with a 455 in it, and I drove to the hospital, 
And I made my way to the ICU, and I remember looking at her laying there looking like she was dead and non-responsive, and I remember grabbing her hand. And I was a tough guy. I didn't talk a lot back then. I talk a lot more now. And I just held her hand and stared at her for the longest time. And then I finally said out loud, you can't leave me now because I won't make it. I don't know how I knew that. I knew it was true. And I just held her hand. And it was the craziest thing. <laughs> she, like, came out of it. And that was it. I mean, was home from the hospital the other day, and she was crazier than ever about her preaching. Now she's telling me not only Jesus, 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 go to church, but I'm supposed to preach. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? I am the last guy on this planet that should ever be a preacher. No, no, no. And I, she just never stopped. She just kept doing it. And then fast forward a little bit later, and I... Um, was getting in all kinds of trouble, and I got kicked out of the Air Force, blah, 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 and um, just was being really bad, and I overdosed, and I was dying. I literally, I was overdosing. You know, anybody, any family, you ever have somebody, you ever seen someone overdose? It's pretty nasty. That was happening to me. They called my mother, put me in a squad. She got there, was in the squad with me. Um, I'm in and out of consciousness, um, experiencing the other the eternal world, and in one of those moments, as I feel like this is the end, this is how it feels like just before you die, I finally broke, and I finally gave in, and I prayed my first prayer ever, and it was so simple, and it was, all I could think of is, I'm thinking, hey, this stuff is real, I'm dying, there's something beyond this, and I said, Jesus, if you were real, like my mom says, because <laughs> I didn't know for sure, don't let me die as in now, and I'll preach. And that was my insurance card. I didn't know if I was supposed to preach, but mom told me I was. So my joke's always been, I don't know if Jesus called me, mom called me, mom bugged Jesus, so he called me. I don't know. But I do know that when I prayed, I said I would do it. <laughs> and I said, don't let me die. And by the time we got to Mount Carmel East, I just, same thing happened to my mom. I just walked right out of the back of the ambulance. I wouldn't even go in the hospital. And my mom's like, you have to go. And they have to pump your stomach. And I'm like, nope. We're going home. Let's go. I'm not going in there. And I wouldn't tell her what happened. So the next day, I knew I had to tell her because I'm committed. I just prayed. I made a deal with Jesus. Don't let me die and I'll preach. Now I'm like, what did I say? I'm not happy about it the next day, if I'm being honest. I'm like, I can't believe I said that. But then I also thought, well, if I wouldn't have, I'd be dead. So let's do this. And I sat down with my mom. I'm like, okay, mom, listen, here's what happened. You know, and I got hair down here and a biker jacket and I'm carrying weapons and I'm just not a good person. And now I'm like, I'm going to be a preacher. What? I, so I said, Mom, this is what happened. I told Jesus I preached. Now what? She, she's, I, I can still smile when I see her doing her little Holy Ghost dance and praise the Lord and dancing around the table and thank you, Jesus, all my, you know, all this. And she, I can still see it. And she said, well, you got to go to church. And I said, and the argument started right then, because <laughs> my mom was, we were like this. I said, why? Because the Bible says so. Great, I haven't read the Bible, so I'll start there. I never set foot in a church until I read the entire Bible in the King James, which I do not recommend <laughs> for anyone, okay? But I did that, and then I started, and then it's been a long journey. So I just, I, I, I just didn't like church. My church experience up to that point had not been pleasant, and I didn't feel like I fit or I belonged. And uh, most of it, to be honest, was my fault. My attitude was bad. I, I, I was not good. So 
it's not their, all their fault, right? But churches, how many of you know churches can be not as good as this one? Anybody experience a bad church? Come on. If we're honest, I didn't like church. My church people didn't feel like they accepted me, loved me, didn't feel like I belonged there. They weren't my people. I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to pastor when I don't even want to go. That was my challenge. So I decided I would try to change that. I thought, I want a church for people like me. I think about a church that was fun, good music, right, entertaining, but powerful. I mean, it was, a, it was something I'd never seen before. I thought, I want a church. I want to go to church like that. And so I spent the next 28 years of my life pursuing that because I thought a lot of other people would like that church. And they did because I got the chance to pastor that church for 20 years. People who wouldn't go to church anywhere else came. I loved it. They loved it. And I'm going to fast forward a lot of years now to the pinnacle of my success. I got to do what I love. Jesus did use me. All the people said you shouldn't be a pastor. And I'm like, I know, right? I keep telling him that, but he keeps telling me to do it. So... That was my answer to everybody. I know, right? Take it up with him. If he tells me to stop, I'll stop. But he told me to do it, so I'm doing it. That's my mentality. And so we did, and it seems to be working. So, you know, I'm reaching people, I guess, that some other churches don't reach. And I loved, 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 loved it. Okay? And 2011 was the pinnacle of my success, I would say, the success that God gave me as I served him. Our church was doing super great, and we had a youth camp we'd done for a number of years, I, we did our youth camp of six or 700 students. We went to a mission trip. I personally led with 50 kids to Peru. I got to travel for a guy named John Maxwell teaching leadership all over the world. We did a Latin America launch trip where we did seven countries in nine days. And instead of training a million leaders over three years, we trained six million. Come on. I mean, these are some good stuff. I got to be on a board asked. I was shocked to even be asked, but I was on a board of an up and coming network that your pastor serves on that board. Do you, are you still on that, the network? Yeah. I, w I got to join that for a short period of time, and I was a part of that, and I was just living the dream until November 9th when I was actually at a conference in Texas. Your pastors were there. I was playing golf with my son, and another friend named Josh joins, and I got a phone call from my wife then saying, your mom has died. I just had the best conversation that I ever had with her that, that week, feeling like our relationship's getting better. And she even called me right before I left and said, oh, Bennett, that was so good. Can you get another pizza and come over and talk for five hours? I'm like, no, because that's what I did. It was awesome. It was the best moment I ever had with my mom. And she's like, can we do it again? I'm like, I got to go to Houston. As soon as I get back, I will. I'm leaving. I got to get ready to go. I have all these things to do. And then I never got the chance to do that. I got the call. And she was, appeared healthy at that point. She, went, she talked till 3 in the morning the night that my nephew got elected the city attorney of our town that she'd been praying for. And she knew that was her prayer assignment. He was a way underdog. He won. She went, she got herself all dressed up, went to the campaign party, and then came home. She always went to bed by nine. She was up at three and four in the morning every day, praying, reading her Bible right there at her table. That night, she didn't get home until about 11. And my dad went to bed with the dog, my stepdad. And she called my sister waiting for the election results and was so excited when... He won that she talked my sister's ear off which, till, now you know where I get it from, till three in the morning, hung the phone up, and died in her chair. That's how she went out. <laughs> I'm like, just like my mom, going out partying. She went straight out that way on a high note, right? I'm like, okay, I'm, I can't be upset about that. But I got to tell you, I was not prepared for her leaving this earth. Does that make sense? I mean, if it was, would have been bad when I was 18, I'm thinking I'm okay. But I got to tell you, 
It triggered a whole host of unresolved issues in me. And I held on for a while. But I went from the pinnacle of success, wheels off. Okay? Again, I'm not giving the details. It wasn't pretty. Held on, fought through, kept talking until I completely ran out of gas. And then I literally swan dived right off that pinnacle into the very depths of despair. And then as people started reacting to that, I reacted to them. And anger got a hold of me. And I defaulted back to a person that I was and hadn't been for 30 years before I met Jesus in the first place. And how many of you know that doesn't go well? I was mad at everybody. And then other things happened. I was mad about that. And I'm a fighter. I'm the last person you want to fight with. And I was fighting everybody. And I had a counselor tell me later, mad is stupid. Can I just attest that that? I say amen right there. Mad is stupid. Nobody wins in a fight. And I didn't stay there long, forever, but I was there. And, it, and as everything I do, it's all or nothing. It's go big or go home. So my failure was as big as any success I'd ever experienced. <laughs> and I lost everything. I, my marriage failed. I lost the church that I loved, my relationship with my five children at the time, many friends that I had had. I isolated myself. I was angry with everyone. And honestly, I just didn't care if I lived or I died. It felt like the end for me. And that's where I ended up. It was, you know, I remember the feeling... Again, I'm very positive. I'm a fighter, competitor. I think I'm always going to win. I'm the guy, if I'm the quarterback on the, and we're down 50 to nothing in the fourth, fourth quarter, put me in. I think there's still enough time to score that many points. I can do it. Give me, the, give me the ball. I never think lose. I only think win. That's all I've ever known. But this was the first time in my life I'm feeling like I, there's no way I can win. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying? I can't win. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do. It's hopeless. It's pervasive hopelessness. I'm on a track. I'm seeing a headlight. It's a train. I can't move. I can't stop it. It's coming. There's just nothing to do. It was the storm of life that Jesus said was coming. It was a force five hurricane. And there was nothing to do but brace my shoulders and wait for it to destroy me. Because without God, that's what would have happened. And with him, I barely survived that storm. But it did a work on me that needed to be done. Amen? Come on. I failed, but I didn't die. And in the end, God gets the glory for all that. It needed to happen. It's inevitable. How we respond to the storms, how we respond to his love through those storms, that's what it's all about. That's where I'm going with all of this. So how do you come back from that? Again, there are people who said, you'll never come back. Your best days are behind you. It's over. <laughs> and, you know, for a while, I'm like, I, I didn't care. I believe them. I didn't care if I really didn't have any desire to try. But I'm here today to tell you that I no longer believe that. You know why? Because that's not what God believes about me. Huh. He doesn't believe it, so I don't believe it. Here's what I believe now. Everything that I have lived through has prepared me for whatever Amen. is next. And whatever I can do to bring him the most glory and the most honor, because it's not about me. It's all about him. 
our story is in context. We're born into a story, his story. And our story is just a part of his story. Like Jimmy talked about a piece of the puzzle. I know Cody had a message about that. We are all that piece of the puzzle. We're a part of the body of Christ. The story is about Christ. Amen. It's about God. And we are a part of the body. We're a piece of the puzzle. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I thought it was about me. And that needed to end. Broke, lose it all, not about you. Now God can use me even more. Come on. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Okay, so still, I was faced with a harsh reality of having some labels that I had earned by my choices. Can I talk to you about labels for a second? Anybody know what labels are? How you get them? You earn labels by your choices, right? Good or bad. I had 28 years of really good choices. I, I was pretty strong, disciplined, focused. I mean, nobody knew my past. They only knew what they saw, and it was pretty good, okay? No chinks in my armor. In fact, that can give you the illusion, give you some pride, give you some dignity in your accomplishments. I was on it, okay, for a long time, relentless. So I had 28 years of good decisions, a good track record. I, wasn't, I didn't do anything like I had done growing up. I went the polar opposite. I repented and went in another direction. So nobody saw all that other stuff, right? Then I made some, I fell. When I fell, when I talk about fell, I went back to the person I was. I swan dived. All that stuff didn't even know was there came out of me, was in there all the time. It all came back out, and people got to see, they'd heard some stories, my family, they got to see it. And those labels are the ones, let me tell you, from really a relatively short amount of time compared to the 28 years, that's what people remembered. Okay, it's human nature, right? So you all know who that, that girl from high school, right? Do I need to say anything about that? You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter that she's lived 28 more years, has eight kids, teaches the women's Bible study, is a pillar in the community. Every time you hear her name, that girl, she earned a label, right, because of some choices that she made. But every time you hear it, what do you think? Do you think all those other good things? Come on. Are you, who's honest in this place, Ty? You know what I'm talking about. You think that. Because you can't help it, it's human nature. The negative labels are harder to shed. And even harder for us as people to get over once we have that placed on somebody. And I'm experiencing that. So I earned some labels by my choices. And the biggest one probably is, you know, I'm that guy in church world. So that girl, you just can't, you, you know, that's the, probably the biggest thing we remember from high school. I'm that guy. I'm that pastor. I'm that pastor that failed. See, I'm not the, the successful pastor anymore. Doesn't he pastor that great church up there in Columbus right across from the mall in Polaris and all that? That's what they used to say. They don't say that anymore. Bennett Smith, what do you, oh, isn't it that guy that failed? Didn't he really make a mess? Didn't, didn't they do this, right? That's what, the, that's what they say now. I earned those labels. But is that divine me? Is that who I am? Is that who I was? Did I earn them? Yes. Is that who I am? Does my future depend on that? So I Googled my name before I spoke the first time. I just want to see what was out there. I, it's, hard to, it's hard to take, i got to be honest. But I thought I would share it with you. So we have it on the screen. There you go. Oh, you know, there's a good one. Senior pastor sings Elvis. That's actually pretty good. The rest of it, all bad. Um, former pastor sentenced for harassing church member. I still want to argue with all these, and I just can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not defending a single thing up there or giving you a different version or... I don't agree with the wording. It doesn't matter. I earned these things. Next screen. We got the next one on there. 
Yeah, look at him. Pastor fights church over forced resignation following disorderly conduct charge. Uh, pastor and son charged after alleged parking lot rage. You know, my favorite there that I hate to look at is pastors behind bars. Listen, that's hard for me to look at right now. And yet, if you Google me, it's not any of the good stuff I've ever done. That's what you see. That's the first thing you see. I could pay a few hundred bucks and have it scrubbed, but I don't. Leave it up there. It's hard to see for me. And you know what I want to do when I see that? I want to go hide. I want to run away. I don't want to sit here and talk in front of you because I know you're going to Google me anyway. If I were you and I'm listening to a new guy, I'm sitting in church. I've already Googled you. I'm like, whoa, 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 who am I listening to here? Right? Ugh. I want to go back to who I was. I want to hide. I don't want a target on my chest. I don't want to sit up here and be vulnerable to you. So why am I doing it? This is what he asks of me. You know, listen, the labels that I've earned, what's so important about that? What's so important about the labels is how, how you're treated. So there's a guy in the Bible. Anybody know of a guy named Peter? He was a bit impulsive, wasn't he? He made some mistakes. You know, Jesus said some great things. He's the one guy, if you, if you go through a strong concordance, he's called the best things and the worst things, all in the same concordance, right? He's called, A, the, he's the rock. Upon this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the first one, the quickest one to believe Jesus is the Christ. Jesus said, I changed your name from Simon to Peter to Cephas. Upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to build my church on the foundation of your kind of faith. Come on. He's also called blasphemer. You know why? He denied Jesus. He denied the Christ. How do you go from the rock to blasphemer? What? I relate to this guy. He's in the Bible for guys like me. So I know that there's hope. Peter's in the Bible because Jesus called him anyway. He's like, man, I've given you these gifts. I have a plan for you, so I'm going to use you. But Peter's like, man, he's got all kinds of issues. I'm not the only one with issues in here, am I? Amen. He's like, I want to use you. I'm like, what my issues? It's okay. I'm going to use you. And then later he said, hey, by the way, Satan's going to take a shot at you. Uh, but I prayed for you. It'll be all right. And when you're restored, wait a minute, what, what? Peter's like arguing with him, right? I'm not going to fail. I'm going with you to death. No, you're going to deny you know me. Three times before the rooster crows. Peter's like, never. And he cuts off the guy's ear and blah, blah, blah. He's always doing some dumb stuff. I love this guy. This is me. Do not believe that can happen to me. Nuh-uh. And then it does. And he denies, long story short, die, you know, denies Christ, cursing like my family from eastern Kentucky. He's a fisherman, right? He's trying to convince a little girl he doesn't know Jesus. You think he was using pretty language? Come on. No, he was not. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You probably don't know him then. He didn't want to be identified with Christ in that moment because he's afraid of dying. Amen. And then it said the rooster crows, and he looked at Jesus, and oh, my goodness. It said he went out and wept bitterly. Fast forward to resurrected Jesus. Peter did what we all do. He defaulted back. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Then Peter failed. He said, that fishing for men thing's not working for me. I'm going fishing for fish. You know what all his friends said? Good, we'll follow you. Because he was a leader. That was the gift that God gave him. He stood up on Pentecost later, right? And preached the first gospel and the church was born. Come on. Listen, he quit. He actually quit. He went back to work. Jesus showed up in the store, called him in. Long story short, 
Peter's just avoiding him. He's like, Peter, do you love me? And again, you have kids. How many have kids in the house? When you talk to them, they don't want to talk to you. What do they do? They're not looking at you, right? Peter, what? Do you love me? You ain't looking at him still. Lord, you know I love you. Come on. Peter, what? Do you love me? You're killing me, Lord. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Why are you fishing for fish? You're supposed to be fishing for men. What are you doing? If you love me, why aren't you doing what I told you? You see what I'm saying? Why is this important? Jesus isn't dissecting his failure. He simply told him what's going to happen, and don't worry, you're going to be okay, and then keep going. Peter couldn't do that. Last time, Peter, and this is where I know me, that would have done it. The third time he asked if I loved him, after I told him twice I did, I would look at him, I'd be like, what? And there would be tears. Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. You, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. End of story. There was no more talk. <coughs> Peter was focused on his failure. Jesus was focused on his future. He knew Pentecost was coming. Come on. Peter still, did, was Peter great after that? No. Paul had to rebuke him later. He got caught up in some other problem, right? Peter failed habitually. Come on. I love you, Peter. Thanks for setting a great example. Because you know what? He finished strong. You know how he died? They said, we're going to crucify you. That's what he was afraid of the first time. He said, bring it. Hey, do me a favor. Don't crucify me right side up because I'm not worthy. This isn't my story. Don't put me on the same level with him. He finished well. He finished. Listen, this whole talk is about that one concept, right? It doesn't matter how you feel about what you've done. It doesn't matter what others think about what you've done. It only matters what he does, what he thinks, and what his plans are for you. And he treats you well. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. Look, look at this. Look at these scriptures. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. I'm only going to focus on the last part of this message Bible translation. It says, God is kind. He's kind, but he's not soft. He's not a pansy. He's not soft on you. He's simply kind. His, in his kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. What's the most... What's the thing that speaks louder than anything else? I remember my mom's story. It's a radical life change. You want to make an impact for Jesus? Just let him change your life. It'll speak volumes to others, even if they're arguing with you. Look at, the, look at the other translation. In the Living Bible, it says, Don't you realize how patient... This is how he treats you when you fail. Listen to what I'm saying. He's not punishing you. Don't you realize how patient he's being with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see that he has been waiting all this time without punishing you just to give you time to turn from your sin? He's not even talking about your sin. He's just waiting for you to turn from it. And then what's he going to do? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Just like the prodigal son. Just turn around. That's all you got to do. But I want to talk about my sin. No, 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 no. Remember the prodigal son rehearsed his story? He was going to say, he started talking. his, His father didn't even listen. He ran. Hugged him, dressed him. You're, I love you. He's focused on the relationship, not the failure itself. Amen. He's like, just, it's, I'm just glad you're home. You were dead, now you're alive. Here, watch what I can do with you now. 
And that's where the comeback story. Peter's the original comeback kid. He failed in a big way. But you know what? God used him to do great things. He finished, right? Well, how does that happen? It's because he got, Jesus is the initiator. Who initiated that conversation? Did Peter feel bad because he failed? No. He, did he seek Jesus out? No. Jesus wouldn't leave him alone. I was in North Myrtle Beach as far. I went to the ocean. If I had a boat, I would have gone farther. Remember Jonah? He ran. I didn't have a boat. I got as far as I could get away from my town. I was never going back. And he got through to me there and let me know he loved me. He's like, hey, I've done a lot for you. Do you appreciate that? I'm like, Lord, you know I appreciate it. Why are you down here for? Same kind of conversation. If you watch my story like a movie, you'd say, this guy, yeah, he'll never, he's, he'll never amount to anything. He's bad. Then all of a sudden, poof, wow, he changed. Look at him go. Then if you watched all the, the rest of it, you'd be, that's inspiring. Look what Jesus done with, did with that guy. Then if you watched my fall, you'd be, oh, my, that's going to hurt. <laughs> then when you saw me splat, you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's no coming back from that. And that's where he found me. He's like, okay, it, this is only, I know it feels like the end to you, but it's not. You get to write the rest of the story. Are you going to quit on me here? You've never quit anything else. Are you going to quit on me here? He said, you want, picture the book. It gets to here. You're in the middle of the book, and it says, and then he died, the end. Is that how you want it to end for you? And I couldn't, that's right, no. I couldn't, amen. I couldn't. Stop there. I'm like, yeah, I got to get up. I put myself in my truck against everything I felt, and I drove home, and I faced everything. And I have not stopped. I have let him lead me to right here today. And I've never felt better in my life. I'm getting stronger and stronger. I love him more than ever. But listen, how do you do that? I let him love me. He initiated. I responded. Then I just followed him. How? It's not hard. He's got me by the hand. <laughs> he just takes you by the hand and leads you. That's not that hard. How many kids, you're like this and, you know, right? That's how he treats us. He's so good. I, I would wander off into all kinds of trouble, but he just keeps my hand, come on, and leads me into a radical life change and then tells me to stand up here and tell you my story. When I don't like it, you wouldn't like it either. Come on. It's not easy. But I love him. It's my responsibility because of how he's treated me in my failure and my sin. Now I get to give him more glory. It's less about me. It's more about him. Therefore, that picture of a radical life change can have a greater impact for his glory. I just have to get up here and do it. And so can you. How about you? Do you have any labels you've earned? <laughs> See, we're not honest. We, we, we need to be more transparent, authentic, and vulnerable in church. Come on, right? What I'm doing right here, we all need to be this way. Because we want to hide that. We want to hide that when we come here. That's the opposite of what you need to do. Listen, I don't know how you got here today, what you're doing here, how, what led you. There's two screens. I didn't do them last time. Put those last two screens up. Let me just tell you this. The labels you've earned, I don't care what you've done. You, some, we may know some things. We may not know some things. You may be keeping them hidden. They may be secrets. But the labels you've earned do not define who you are. And in my last screen that I'm actually going to do, you're defined by what he says about you. I had the opportunity of being the person he called me to be. For a while, people got to see it. You may be here today, and no one's ever seen it. You've never pulled the trigger in the first place, never taken the first step. Listen to me. I don't care what kind of life you've lived, how old you are. I don't care if you've backslidden, been and back, never started. Let me tell you something. It's no accident you're here today, and I'm here today. 
to tell you emphatically that he loves you more than you could possibly imagine and that he has a plan for your life. And if you love him, you'll feed the sheep, not fish for fish. You'll do what, it, I don't care what it is he asks you to do, just do it. What does it matter? What else matters? But I failed. Okay, just keep doing what he told you. Didn't your pastor just talk about that? If God's putting someone on you, that's a calling. If he asks you to do it, just do it. But you're not qualified. I know. That's what makes it better. He asked me to do it. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes here. Listen, I don't know, again, I don't know who's in the room. I don't know you. I don't know how you got here. First time, maybe your first time ever, and you've never even been in a church. It could be that. I hope there's somebody like that here. It could be you come to church every week. You're a pillar. But you know what? You've still got some stuff you're hiding, right? And you're feeling guilt, and you're feeling ashamed, and you're feeling if the, if the pastor knew or the people knew, they wouldn't like me anymore. They'd stop loving me. Listen, that's not the kind of what the church is. The church is Jesus, right? It loves you no matter what. It doesn't mean that you're not accountable. Yes, you are. But listen, you've got to repent from your sin, right? He just waits. He waits for you to turn from your sin. Hiding it isn't the answer. Repenting from it is the answer. Come on. And man, when, can you imagine a church filled with love like that? Unconditional love? Restoration, accountability, connectedness. Come on, there's so many great words. That is what the world needs. It's dark. It's hurting. This is a trash can that we live in. We are a light in darkness. And it's ordinary, everyday, real people like you and me that God uses anyway, that brings him glory, that leads people, more and more people, to him by the droves. Come on. You have a part in that. No, I don't. I'm... I'm of this, I'm of that. No, you have a part in the body of Christ. It's a special part. And you know what? It's so unique that only you can fill it. And as long as you're not there, we're missing something. That's how important it is. So with your head bowed, eyes closed right now, if you've never taken your part in the body of Christ, if you've been making excuses, you're filled with guilt, shame, regret, you live secret life. And again, I can start naming off sins and everybody get convicted. I'm not doing that. I could read off a list because I know what people do. I've pastored for 20 years, remember? It just, none of that matters. The emphasis gets on that. Listen, if you're not connected to God, if you're not where you need to be, this is your chance to choose him. There is hope regardless of what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been or how good you've appeared, but how secret you've been, or what a fake you are, and none of it matters. Choose him today. Make good decisions. Start sowing good seed in place of your bad, and eventually you'll outlive that bad harvest, and you'll bring him glory. That's what he wants for you, and let me tell you a secret. That's where you'll feel like I feel today. Never better. Never more loved. Never more alive. Never more fulfilled. That's the life we all want, and that's what he wants for you. But I'm going to tell you the truth. It's only found in God through Jesus. And if you haven't committed wholeheartedly, don't miss your chance. So just every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you right there in your own words. I'm going to pray a prayer, but I want you to just 
in your own words, just say, Jesus, I love you. Your death on the cross is my personal is payment for my personal sin. I want to be all in, committed to you. I'm coming to you, whatever your story is, I'm coming to you the very first time. This is my moment. I'm going to change direction. Make a decision, the decision to follow you that changes my direction that will end up being my eternal destiny. Right now, wherever you are, while I pray for you, please, 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 please don't miss this chance to do that. Father, I thank you for everybody here. For the man or woman that's struggling with this, I know it's so much easier to talk about than it is to do. It's easy for me to talk about today. It wasn't easy when I was living it. God, give them the courage to make that call, to make that choice, to follow you with their whole heart. God, give them the wisdom. Give them the fresh eyes, the perspective to see how different their life could be when they can't imagine it being any different than it is because it's always been that way. Give them hope. Give them a future. Let them know that your plans for them are all good, like you said in your word, to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them a future and a hope. Help them believe that in this moment and decide to live for you now. Put the past behind them and only move forward into your future that you have for them. God, please, by your Holy Spirit, convict, lead, guide, take them by the hand in this moment and never let go. Lead every man, woman, boy, girl in this room that's praying that prayer in their heart into a radical life change that will shine like a light in this dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me be here with you. I love you guys. Hopefully I'll see you again. Amen. Hey, say up here, Bennett. Let's all stand up. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over Bennett. This took more courage. This is one of the most courageous acts I've ever seen in my life. You know, um, I knew him before. I knew him during Brooke and I, and I knew him now. And um, it takes courage to get up and admit I fell off the tracks. Some of us have fell off the tracks, and we won't admit it. But today, God's bringing us back. Amen. And we're going to pray courage. Brooke, would you come up here with me also? Everybody just reach your hearts and hands out here. And, and um, if anybody just feels led to come down and put your hands on Bennett because of the courage, because this is just the beginning. God's going to take him in this story of restoration a lot of places. A lot of places in front of businessmen and women, churches, sports arena. He's going to because we all, we all have lived a life of failure. We've lived a life of hiding. We've hid things for generations. And I just thank God for the spirit of courage. Be, be couraged, be encouraged, and be strengthened. And Amen. 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 Everybody just reach your hands out toward him. Praise God. Because I want to tell you something. The devil doesn't want him to continue to do this. The devil's defeated. How many say amen? The devil doesn't want his voice to keep going because there are tons of people out there, saved and unsaved, that need this. Father God, we lift up Bennett, his precious family. And Father God, I thank you what you started, you're going to finish with Bennett Smith. Father God, I thank you that he has stepped into the realm of love. Unconditional love, Father God. 
And Father, got through this morning, I finally really got a glimpse of Peter. What Peter's like? Peter's like Bennett. He's wide open. Father God, we speak grace over him. We speak blessing over him. We plead the blood of Jesus over Bennett in his life. And Father God, I thank you for raising up peoples, raising up peoples, believers that will support him, that will love him, and just continually bless his family. Father, I thank you for the reconnection of his his children back into his life and him into theirs. Father God, I thank you for the friends that have hidden to come out of hiding and reconnect with him. Father, I thank you for the new friends. The new friends, like this morning, he's got total strangers put their hands on him because they believe, God, what you're doing in him is you. So, Father, we as a church, we as believers, we as brothers and sisters, we declare that we will pray for We will provide for. We will help in any way. And, Father, we thank you for what you started in Bennett. This is the third stop. This is the third stop. There's many more stops that you're going to to organize, Lord, and orchestrate. And, Father God, I thank you for the voice of freedom, the voice of victory, the voice of truth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.